Good morning, noon, and night. How are you guys doing? My name is Ryan. I am the producer of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast, and we are here with another best of episode for you guys. This time, we're tackling the month of May in 2023, and we'll get started with that right after we hit this intro. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Now, with these best of episodes, I usually like to do some, some interesting things, right? I try to take different clips and fit them into a general idea for the episode. In this episode, that general idea is going to be culture. Um culture and mindset, I guess you could say. So the first person that I want to highlight in the month of May is David Rodriguez. And in this episode, it's very rare that I decide what's going to go on a best of episode before the month is over, right? I try to I try to keep an open mind, let the month finish before I'm like, yes, I need we need to highlight that episode. Dave had one of the best episodes, in my opinion, and it really, really spoke to me. And that episode was titled, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? So let's take a listen to that. Love what your mentor said, though. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I feel like that question is applicable at any stage in life, you know? Yep. And, and, you know, and I've heard, th- I've heard this kind of go around the social media realm right now. It's like, uh, you know, what, what would you rate yourself? you know, in terms of, you know, a business owner, in terms of a salesperson, whatever the case is as a human being. And, you know, people's first response is, oh, I'm 10, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's what everybody's, you know, taught is like, have this crazy confidence or whatever. And what I, what I love about that statement that your mentor made it is it means that you always have room for growth. You know, yeah. you're never and fully grown. You're, you're, you're spot on, Doug. And, you know, I call it vulnerability. And, you know, I've had, I've, I've had those, I had three moments in my life that what do you want to be when you grow up? One was when I was in eighth grade, one when I was 29 and I didn't know I needed it because I was, I, I thought I had a great career and I was, I was a badass and I could yeah. do what I wanted to do. Same. And then, and then just recently, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up in the second half of my life, you know, kind of thing, you know, and, and that's where I'm at today. And so when I, when I think about where I came from and what, you know, my dad was my mentor, you know, he dropped out of high school um, and he, he ended up um, having a 25 year career in the military, got to the highest non-commissioned officer ranking. And he taught me a lot about resiliency and creating, you know, opportunities and driving and, and sacrifice and all the things that you got to do, but it came at a cost. I mean, it was, he was gone all the time. And so in eighth grade, I, I, my, my mentor, Coach Mize, I was not probably on the best grades and I probably wasn't on the greatest path and uh, whatever it was. And he took a, a keen interest in me and said, you know what? You are somebody. You are great. What do you want to do when you grow up? And, and I said one thing, I, w- I want to be a football player in college. <laughs> and, and he was like, okay, well, David we can make that happen, but you're pretty damn small, you know, and, and I, don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if you can Story do my that. life. <laughs> uh, exactly. But he said, he said, but let's parlay that with, let's get you an education. So you have something yeah. to fall back on. And so that was a pivotal moment in my life that said, and every six weeks he was looking at my grades, not in eighth grade only all the way through high school. 
And wow. I was able to, um, from that, I played a year of college football. I think I may have told you. And I, yeah. and I played for Hal Mummy and Mike Leach, their very first college coaching uh, job. Uh, I went and played for them at a small, small, small school in Iowa. Uh, but I, I lived that dream. But what it also did, but more importantly, it did, it got me to college. Right. And, and so Coach Mize was that person that really got me to that level. And so that was the first aha moment of what I want to be when I grow up. Then it got to my mentor that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. And then now it's where I'm at today. After 30 years of all of this stuff, what do I want to be when I grow up? And what do I want to <laughs> be known for? So it, it all comes full circle. A hundred percent. When And when I say, you know, we were, I, I could tell right away that we were aligned uh, even further now, because whenever, you know, I thought I had it made, I was 29 years old. I had this teamy multimillion dollar business, you know, and in it, and what I love about it is I got it all from just, just shooting from the hip and, and, and getting the experience and figuring out, Oh, that doesn't work. Let me try this, you know? And, and there, you know, there was no college, there was no uh, real mentors in my life at the time. It was more, you know, men that showed me what not to do kind of thing. And that, and that didn't help, you know, cause I didn't absorb that unfortunately until a decade later. Right. But anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm 29 years old. I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, you know, um, when I retire, you know, I'm going to retire at 40. Naturally, that's what all of us entrepreneurs yep. say. Oh, yeah. We're full of it, you know. <laughs> yep. But yep. when I retire at 40, I just want to go around the world, you know, around the U.S. helping small businesses. I don't care if it's a cake shop. I don't care if it's a scooter store. I don't care if it's an electronic store, whatever the case is. I just want to go around the world helping small businesses. I knew at that point I had a knack for solving problems. That's all you do as a consultant. And I said, and I want to do it for free. I want to start a, a, a nonprofit and all our job is to help small businesses get back to black, you know? And so it, it's, it's crazy how, you know, your journey has a different, different ending for you, not even an ending, but a different route for you, I should say, because, you know, here I am, what, basically seven years later, eight years later, and I'm doing exactly that, you know, I'm just getting paid for it, you know? <laughs> Exactly. So I think that's where you ended up too. Like you, you had this need to, to help small businesses and want to be involved, you know, and not necessarily do the whole thing yourself like you did before within the divisions of the companies that you worked for, but uh, come in and provide a specific expertise. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, the reason why I love that episode is is because it's true. Like you're you're you've never arrived, right? And that's that's what I got out of that when I was listening to it. Is this this idea that every every step of your life there is a a new a new journey for you to partake? So it's like, hey, I've I've made it these past five years, but what what do I want to be? in the next five or 10 years, what do I want to be in the next 20 years? What do I want to be when I've, when I've grown up out of this, this moment, out of this space in which I'm in, I think that's super important to look at, especially in this entrepreneur space, especially when you're building out your sales team. Um, you as the head of the sales team do not want to stop growing, so to speak. Um, so the next person that we're going to have on this best of episode is going to be Randall Rutledge. Now, Randall, in his episode, was talking a whole lot about how he um, builds culture with his team. 
um, what really stood out to me was the the culture that he created. It was it was a very close knit culture based off of how he was saying it, and I, I thought that his excitement might really help you guys in seeing that hey, this is possible, and it's extremely important to make sure that your people buy into your company and their culture. So let's take a listen. Oh, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, I forgot how many people you told me in our connection call, but um, you had built out a team in college, a pretty substantial team in College Station. Let's talk a little bit about that and what it took to build out a team like that. And why do you feel like you ended up being the guy that did it versus, you know, all the other agents that probably went through that office or that organization? Yeah. Um, you know, great question, Doug. And, you know, I've, I've had a great career in leadership, right? I've been able to help people convert people and take them from nothing to, to being successful. And I tried to identify a million times, like how, because if I'm being honest with you, a lot of it happened very naturally, right? I didn't have a lot of training, a lot of structure. I just, I just did it naturally. And when I think about why I've been able to build such great sales teams, it really comes down to one word and it's love. And as corny as it sounds, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've already talked about my faith, but to me, Jesus was the ultimate leader, right? Mm -hmm. He, he was in a time when people walked around in in flip flops. There there wasn't a, it wasn't Facebook internet. And he was such a dynamic leader that to this day, people scream his name and people follow him. Right. Thousands of years later with no technology. It's amazing. And so I tr- always tried to pull my leadership from from that type of those type of people, those dynamic leaders. But mm-hmm. I just have a have something inside of me that says you have to love people. You have to help people and you mm-hmm. have to give give to them. And if you don't, you're being selfish. Right. Like God blessed you with an amazing life, amazing career, amazing income, health, mm-hmm. everything that you could want in life is given it to you. If you don't turn around and try to help someone else get that joy and happiness, it's like slapping God in the face and it's disrespectful. So I have this burning desire inside of me that I've got to give back or like it's almost like I'm scared I'm going to lose like what I got. Like I don't. Yeah, I want no. lightning to come down and, and, and strike me or take take away my blessings. I want to be able to bless others. And that approach, like, you know, systems, processes, scripts, like there's so mm-hmm. many technology, CRMs, there's so many parts of sales, right? right? But to me, like the number one thing is love. It's loving people. It's pouring into them. It's getting them to believe in themselves, even when they don't believe in themselves and just encouragement. People really need encouragement. They need positivity. They don't get it anywhere else. So my leadership style has just been love, 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 pour into these people, Mm -hmm. um, just build up their confidence and build up their self-esteem and then let, let everything else kind of work its way, you know, happen naturally. And, and that makes a ton of sense. And that is a magnetic thing, right? I mean, that's, honestly how we were built to receive it and to give it right and so i guess what what space do you use to do that i mean is it just in the one-on-one conversations every day do you like intentionally schedule time with your people i mean how do you how do you make that connection where you can actually have a genuine conversation versus like 
talking to a room of your your team or you know over the phone or something like that how do you, do you schedule that yeah a little bit of both you know mm-hmm. i think it comes down to for one being the example being somebody that people can look up to mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't have something that they want they're not going to follow you right? If they don't put you on a pedestal and go, man, I think Randall's awesome. Like I want to be like Randall in some ways, not every way, but some way I can't inspire them and I can't lead them. Right. It is those one-on-ones it's those interactions. Um, you know, I schedule personal conferences with every, every person in my sales team periodically, depending on what level you're at. Mm -hmm. Obviously the higher levels, I meet with them more frequently, the low levels, I meet with them less frequently as, as the team has grown and scaled. Um, but personal conferences and then a lot of like outside stuff, you know, just having fun. Like, you know, a couple, couple months ago, we took the whole team to chicken and pickle, right. And ran out a bunch of pickleball courts and bought them a bunch of food and said, Hey, y'all drink whatever y'all want. Bring your spouses, bring your kids. It's funny. I've Uh, taken, I've taken my team there before too. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's like a two miles from my office. So it's really convenient, but you know, those little things, they really mean a lot to people. Mm-hmm. Um, simple things like swag, you know, just buying them shirts. And then, um, when they're new, like, especially a new salesperson, they're not making a ton of money right at first, right. right. They're trying to figure it out. So paying for their lunches. Like, I mean, I just, I got to the point where it's like, if you're around me, you're not paying for anything. Right. right. I remember, I remember being broke. <laughs> I remember being yes. a broke salesperson yeah. and I worked my ass off. So I'm not, and I didn't do it because I want money. I don't, what I need money for. Yeah. Right? You only, you only need money to do a little bit of things. And after that, it's like, yeah, what am I going to do with it? I'd rather give it away. And it's going to bring more money to me back anyways, but buying them lunches, as silly as it sounds, taking them lunch, buying them lunches, um, that encouragement. But to answer your question, yes, I do schedule time, you know, individual mm-hmm. time with my people. So what Randall was saying was it's the love for your people, right? Like you're, you're, your greatest asset in building your culture is having a genuine love for the individuals who are working with you and working around you. Once you have a genuine love with these people and for these people, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world to do for them. And when it's the easiest thing in the world to do for them, it's going to build this culture and it's going to build this, this raving fan of you and of your company because you've poured into them not just so that they can yield a result for your company, but you've poured into their lives in a positive manner. And the law of reciprocity is going to come back and and um, make sure that you receive everything that you have sown into their lives. Um, super important. We could go into the biblical aspects of that, but. That's not this podcast. So we're going to we're going to move over to the last last bit um, for this best of episode. And it's going to be from Greg Fisher. We talk about KPIs. We talk about customer service and we talk about call centers in this episode. So let's check out what uh, Greg had to say. Have their credit card out. I do not want them to wait because I know if they drop, they're not going to book with us. So I knew it. I knew it all along. Whenever I call AT&T, they put me in last because I'm already a customer. I knew it. <laughs> if they were smart they would do it yeah so if no, you have that... an issue if you have an issue and you're not getting through yeah the secret is to dial number one and go to the new customer line because you'll get through yeah. quickly yeah now, they just what, don't what, give what, you the zero option anymore right no <laughs> they're like no we're done with zero 
<laughs> no, I love it, brother. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that with us. And just to kind of like dial this down, you know, because a lot of our listeners are in home services. Some of them have call centers and, and some of them operate call centers. So you're speaking their language, but other ones, it's like, a, it's, it's, it's a roofing company. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And one of the first things I always have to ask prospects or clients is what are your KPIs? What are your metrics? What are you tracking? And what yeah. story is it telling you? And typically they, they're, they're not, they're tracking gross revenue, maybe gross revenue per rep, and then uh, their profit. And then, and then probably if they're in construction, the uh, cost of goods sold, you know? And so they're, they're, they're tracking the individual numbers to make sure they make money on each job, but they're not looking at the performance of the company overall. And then, okay, mm-hmm. all right, what's my average time to get the job done? And then the quality on the back end, right? How many of these customers uh, are doing one-star reviews, are giving complaints, are, uh, you know, not happy with their salesperson, or we, you know, we do a survey after and they fill out a survey and they get two or three stars, you know, because that really tells the story of, all right, how do I improve my sales process? How do I improve my conversion rates along the way? And then one of the things you and I talked about on your podcast was, yeah, you need steps in your sales process. So, you know, when you're losing the customer, it it makes total sense with a call center because you literally see a drop call, but there's mentally when a customer is in front of you, or, you know, you're talking to a customer over the phone or, you know, you're DMing them on social media, whatever the case is, mentally, you've lost them at some point. And that conversion mm-hmm. rate is, is the only thing that's going to be able to tell you where you lost them so you can work on that, that conversion point, you know. And so, you know, with this show, typically get really tactical, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. you know, obviously that leads into the mindset stuff, right? Because you go to a sales rep and you're like, why are you having a hard time with this conversion rate? And then what, what do they always do? They always give you this preconceived notion that they have about the customers you have coming in or the equipment or the tools they're using or the script, right? Yeah. Something's, something's wrong in there. And that's what they point to. And in, in, in their mind, that's what the issue is, right? Yeah. So the best response I can always give them is the data. Exactly. The, the data can't lie. So if I bring, if I bring the data to him, I say, Hey, you're having an issue with this pivot point. But you know, when we look at the team average, you're 20%, you're, you're 20% below the rest of the team, you know what I'm saying? But you're saying it's this issue, but the rest of the team isn't having that. And when I talked to the team about it, you know, they said it's because they're not saying this or they're not doing or whatever the case is. And now you've got Mm -hmm. an actual action plan to increase that conversion rate. Right. Yeah. You, you guys run into a lot of that too. I would, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's, we're always, every month, every department goes and they put in their KPIs and, you know, KPIs, they can be so simple. They can be, yeah. and they don't have to be all performance-based KPIs. Some of them are just like, well, one of our KPIs is like how many posts that our social media uh, manager do for the month, you know, it is accountability yeah. just as much as this performance are we doing everything we, we need to do to mm-hmm. elevate ourselves or maintain? Um, you know, one of the biggest things I tell people is to pay attention anywhere, anything you do, anywhere you go. Because if you do pay attention, then you'll start to see why companies do what they do. So the reason why 
I wanted, I was so big on re-engineering our call center with the different cues because when you walk into a grocery store and you go to checkout, mm-hmm. why do they have the express lane? Why do they have the regular lanes? Why do they have the do-it-yourself lanes? There's a reason. They want to get you checked out as fast as possible. They don't want you to wait. I, I, how many times have you been to a grocery store? They didn't have enough people working there. There's lines every, there's three queues open. They're all line, or, uh, lanes open. All They're all big. Someone wants to buy a bottle of wine and a steak. Yeah. And I've seen them put that bottle of wine and steak back and leave because mm-hmm. they did not provide you know, expedited cues for, for people that ready to put their cart out and buy, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's so, I, and, and when I went to Disney world, my kids, I I've noticed Disney does this better than anybody of how, you know, they, if you pay attention to what they do, you, you can apply a lot of those principles to how they mm-hmm. move people through how they create technology, you know, to make your experience better. So that yeah. way you want to come back and there's retention and even the smallest businesses can apply some of these things, if you just, if you just pay attention and look and see, see what's going on. And, and I tell you in your business, you'll notice how many similarities there really are. Now, Ryan, what does KPIs have to do with mindset and culture? Um, everything in my opinion, right? So when he was talking about the KPIs and how those relate to how your your business is running. He mentioned the KPIs on the social media team. He mentioned the KPIs um, keeping the accountability up and not just these indicators that are going to tell you that, you know, you're making money in this area, but those indicators are going to keep you accountable to the actionable items that you can do every single day that may not see a, a, a revenue spike, but they're super important to show that we are doing what is necessary to make it work in the end. As long as we continue to do this, as long as we can have the data that backs up this, then we are going to see the results at some point. So it's keeping those metrics and that data up to date with these key performance indicators that show what is working, what's not working, the, the actions you're taking, the actions you're not taking. So everything uh, has a purpose when you're moving forward. Um, thank you guys so much for spending your morning, noon, your night, your, 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 your time with me for this past 30 minutes. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, each of these episodes, David, Randall, and Greg, are awesome, awesome episodes that you should totally check out in full. You're going to get so much value from them. Um, But this is just a little snippet of what we have going on here. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.